Good morning. <clears throat> I'd like to welcome each one here this morning. And it is Mother's Day, and a special blessing to you. I thought about it after what Irene said. Um, there was a few verses that came across when I was reading of God in the sense of being our mother. And I thought, well, that's special. You know, he is, we consider him as our father, but we also can consider him as our mother also. So that was nice. I want to go to Genesis chapter 3 and just read a verse. And I'll be reading a few verses here and there, and then I want to end up at 1 Samuel. Genesis chapter 3 it just brings out the idea of where motherhood started. And that's why uh, I come across those verses was because if I was to ask you who was the first mother in the Bible, you would probably say Eve. But actually, God was because he was the giver of life. He's, he was the one that birthed life into this world that we have or see and then there's been mothers then from generations to generations to generations up till now we have mothers and we're blessed by mothers and Adam called his wife his wife's name Eve because she was a mother of the living so thinking and going to Deuteronomy chapter 30 and thinking of mothers being the mother of the living, or the one that brings life, the giver of life, the one that brings life into this, into this earth, the one that brings life into your home. And I would like to focus somewhat of, on that, of a giver of life. And there's many ways that we are givers of life. In Deuteronomy 15, uh, 30, verse 15 and 16, says, See, I have now set before thee this day life, and good, and death, and evil. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, and his statutes, and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to prepare it. So Jesus is, or God was telling to his people here, I have set before thee this day life or death. And we have a choice of choosing life or death. And you, since today is Mother's Day, I may focus a little bit more on that, but we have the opportunity in our homes to bring life or death. And as you say, um, a lot of homes don't have, a good, or people talk about we didn't have a good upbringing, but um, that's part of the home atmosphere that was, and I know you say, well, where's the father come in on this? The father's included, but we'll save him for Father's Day. And then I would good like, want to turn to a verse in Proverbs and then go to verse uh, 1 Samuel. Proverbs 18, verse 21. 
get, get here to it. <clears throat> Death and life are in the power. And here it's using the word of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I was looking at that as death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we say has a big influence of death or life. And then it goes on to say, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So love what? They that love it, love what? Well, if you love death, then you're going to eat the fruit of, the, of that. And, and things are going to be chaotic in your life. If you love life, then you're going to enjoy the fruits of that. So, I would like to look at um, motherhood. Do you, do you see motherhood as a calling? I think it was Dana or someone said to the ordination about mother being a mother is a calling. Do you feel called to be a mother? Then you may ask, well, what does the word calling mean? It's a strong impulse or inner impulse for it. So do you have a strong impulse or a calling to be a mother? And I know um, young girls grow up and they, they desire to get married and desire to have a family, and they want to be a mother, and a, or a wife and a mother. They desire that. But do you feel, so if you feel like this is a calling, do you know what a calling is? It's a responsibility, is that you accept the responsibility of this, and anything that goes along with it. So if you feel called to be a mother, then your responsible is to go uh, do what goes with that calling. And you know what that calling is? Cleaning up dirty diapers, waking up in the middle of the night, fussy children. That's part of your calling. And so I want to encourage you, you know, we, being called to the ministry, we take the responsibility of what goes with it. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's unpleasant. If, if you're called to be a nurse, you take the responsibility that goes along with a nurse, and that's taking care of um, people that may be out of their minds or, or maybe. Um, Messy. That goes with the responsibility that you have been called to. So if you don't feel called to be a mother, then I would say, please let somebody else mother your children because your children are going to suffer for it. Or you're going to get burned out in your motherhood and, yeah, your children still won't have a mother There are many good men in the Bible that 
uh, it was mentioned, uh, had good mothers. Uh, Timothy had a good mother of Lois and Eunice. But I want to go to Samuel. And Samuel had a good mother. And I want to read, start with verse 8. First Samuel 1, verse 8, and read to verse 28. Then said Elkanah, Elkanah, her husband, to her. Now this kind of sets the tone here for the birth of Samuel. Um, there was some things going on in Elkanah's uh, wives. And anyways, Hannah couldn't have a, a baby, and she... Struggled with that. Hannah, why weepest thou? Why weepest thou not? And why is not thy heart grieved? For I am, am not I better than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed, he vowed, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thy handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child, then I will give unto the Lord, give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And it came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth, now Hannah, she spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought that she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away the, thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. And they rose up in the morning early and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived, that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I have asked him of the Lord. And the name and the man Elkanah and his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vows, and his vow. And Hannah went not up, for she said unto her husband, I will not go up unto the child until the child be weaned. And then I will bring him that he may appear before the Lord and there abide forever. And Elkanah, her husband, said unto her, Do what seemeth thee good. Tarry until thou hast weaned him. Only the Lord established his word. So the woman abode and gave her son 
suck until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her and with three bullocks and one ephah of flour and the bottle of wine and brought him unto the house of the Lord of Shiloh. And the Lord was, and the child was young, and they slew a bullock and brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as thou so liveth, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I have asked of him. Therefore, also who am I have lent to the Lord, so long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he shall worship the Lord there. So as I was looking at, at uh, Hannah's life, um, in, in seeing Samuel and how in the next chapter talks about how Samuel worshipped the Lord. Who influenced Samuel to worship the Lord? Was it Eli? And Samuel would have, would have went through a lot of things in his life. Well, we know the answer. I should, probably shouldn't have even asked that, but Hannah was the great influence that um, was needed for Samuel. And as I looked at the word wean, you know, we get the picture of maybe a, a year, two years, and you wean a child, and then give it to Eli. And it didn't make sense to me in my mind that how a young child like that, and looking at the life of Eli, how he could grow up to be such a godly man. So if you kind of look at some of the culture and stuff, you know, the, the word mean would be more like adolescent, you know, coming to the point of an age of accountability is for a child to go into a setting like this and be able to, to worship God would be someone who, is, who knows what's going on. So what did Hannah do to Samuel, let's say, the first 10, 11 years that had such a big impact on, on Samuel? If we look at Samuel, I got ahead of just myself and my notes here just a little bit. But if we look at Samuel in his life of growing up in the priesthood with Eli, with his sons the way they were, and with the country wanting a king and God working through that, and then he anointed King Saul. And then going through that, and then he anointed uh, King David. So Samuel went through a lot of, of trauma there. So what brought him to that point in life was what Hannah instilled in him as a little child. And I think when Hannah nursed her baby or, or told read stories to her or stuff, I think they were about who God was and who God 
is and how he's special because we're part of God's chosen people. And I think she instilled that continuously, telling her about who God is and maybe what God desires in life. Maybe shared his commandments of what God's commandments are. And this is what is required of the Lord. And anyways, I can see him, her, daily sharing that with him. So if a little child hears that from its womb, all the way to 10, 11 years old, you would get the idea that Samuel understood to the point of who he was as a child. And if you look at 1 Samuel 2, verse 11... It says, Elkanah went to Ramah and, the ch- and to his house, and the child did minister on the Lord with Eli. You can really see the power that Hannah had over Eli. So what keeps the mother going? You know, somewhere along the way, I think, I got my notes all mixed up, and I'm... Losing it. Okay, uh, Hannah taught Samuel how to live his faith even in the midst of evil. So even of the sufferings and the things that were going around, Hannah was able to teach Samuel the truth and to live by it. Hannah also had a love for Samuel, and she taught him what was best for him in his life. So I would see Hannah looking at, at Eli, uh, Samuel and saying, you know, this is a child that I'm going to give to Eli to basically be a priest, to work with him, to do his dirty work and so on, whatever was required of them. But she brought Eli, Samuel to that point in her life, in his life, that he was able to go there and stand, and, yeah, stand for the truth. <clears throat> now I want to go to chapter 2, verse 19. It says, moreover, his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year. And when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. So when Hannah every year would go up to meet um, Samuel or do their sacrifice, he, she would actually take a, little, a coat. And I would say probably as the coat would get bigger each year that she would do it. But I would say that she did more than just give her a coat. She gave her far more than, than that. So, are you a giver of life in your home? You know, maybe, um, yeah, maybe your husband's late from work. Or maybe, maybe there's chaotic, the house is messy, maybe the children are fussy. A giver of life is someone who 
it looks at the individual or looks at the situation and looks for the best in it. You know, if you look at the giver of um, life in, um, like, like you wouldn't complain if dad would, would not come home or you wouldn't complain if the children are fussy. You may com- fuss t- to your heart, but you don't verbally say, say that. And in that, are you a giver of life? I guess I would look at it as encouragement and looking for the best in the person. You know, a negative aspect of a child or is kind of um, kind of destroys the spirit of the child. So we do pray. We should pray for them um, a lot. So are you a giver of life? Is, you know, in, in, in outside the motherhood, are you a giver of life? And I can say this is probably a point where all of us can be involved in this, is are we a giver of life? Maybe you aren't a mother, but you are an opportunity of giving life. We have many opportunities to invigorate others to do their best. We work in settings where it's not the best, but we still, by our attitudes and by our actions, we, we promote life. We can all be life givers by sharing Jesus to people and to share our work with uh, his love to them. So being a uh, a, a giver of life is far more than just being a mother. So I would encourage you to try to be, well, put it this way, just walk into a setting and, and things get better. <laughs> um, I know there's a couple stories that I could have gave where a, a young girl, I was talking to a fellow that we were working with and here he was had worked with one of my daughters and anyways he was saying that when she came in the the atmosphere changed and that's what I mean by giving being a giver of life the atmosphere kind of changes and yeah people become less stressed and people more people become happy so is the being a life giver worth it? Do we always have to give? Why can't I be a taker? Well, if you go to Proverbs 31, <clears throat> 31 Verse 25 to 28. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praiseth her. The rewards 
of your labor is here. It says people will come to you for wisdom, come to you for advice. He also says that the, your children will call, uh, rise up and call you blessed. Go to Psalms 127. Verse, I think I'll just read the whole chapter. It's small enough. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, oh my word, I got the wrong chapter. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keepeth the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of his womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. Children are a possession of the Lord. They are a gift to you. I know there are sometimes you may say, I wish he'd just take care of them for a while. But they are a special gift to you. But I don't think that we need to necessarily look for our children to rise up and call us blessed. And that's our reward of raising children. But what we do is we look at these children as a gift from God and a responsibility that we have of raising them up to be arrows. And the word arrow gives the idea of, of going in areas where we can't go. <clears throat> and he says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full, they shall not be ashamed. And it's speaking here of the children shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. Do you see the picture here of raising the importance of raising, raising godly children? Is that you're able to reach, speak to the enemies that we have in this world and the evil bound us and stand. And I think that's where a lot of children grow up and they don't have that foundation of standing like Samuel did. Standing firm in a way that, you know, when evil comes in, that they can stand for the truth. So I would encourage us as children that we, our parents, we really need, you really need that. In thinking, um, Like I said, I got my notes all mixed up. Now I'm coming back to the beginning. About, but in thinking of the, the responsibilities, the influence that you have as mothers into having a child like Samuel. It takes a lot of work, but it's well worth it. And why is it worth it? Is so much all the praise that we get and 
but it's the generations that we don't even know that will be affected. And I think of, of Hannah. She probably has no idea who we are, but yet her story has been a blessing for generations and generations. So thank you, mothers, for giving your life. And what a reward is that we can stand before God and he says, you've done well. Well done, thou good and faithful servant.